Welcome to part two of our mega EHF Euro 2024 preview show. I hope you enjoyed the review of groups A, B, and C. In this podcast, we're talking groups D, E, and F. And this is the Scandinavian side. So we've got a, we've got the big dogs from, from the Scandinavian continent and some challengers in there. And we'll go through each group with some fantastic guests, as always. I'm joined by Chris. Hello, Alex. And Brian. And we're ready to probably dive into these next few groups to see and try to get convinced. As we've gone through each group, I feel like each guest convinces me that their team is the one that's going to the semi-final or their choice is going to the semi-final. So at the end of this, we'll actually make our top three predictions and our MVP prediction. Okay, okay. I am here. Just I didn't get a chance to say hello. <laughs> <laughs> Alex cut me off. But uh, yeah, let's get straight into it with Group D. <laughs> uh, I thought good. I did say hi. Sorry. <laughs> no, uh, Chris goes... Yes. Hi, and then he's like, I'm Brian. And anyways, uh, <laughs> <laughs> now we're going to Group D, North Slovenia, Poland, and the Faroe Islands. Let's get our teeth in with both of our guests. To join us talking about Group D with uh, Norway, Slovenia, Poland, and Faroe Islands, we have Daniel Hugland from Via Play, the top commentator there. How are you doing, Daniel? I'm doing good, uh, you know, just relaxed a little bit since uh, the Women's Championship, but uh, here we are again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, on the Faroe Islands side, we have a, a player, journalist, who's also based in Norway, so the perfect person to get on to talk about this. We have um, Faroese line player, Helgi Hoydal. How are you, Helgi? I'm very good. Thanks for, thanks for having me. And he's even brought his own mic, which uh, already makes him the most professional uh, guest we've ever had on the <laughs> podcast. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, this is uh, this is a super exciting group uh, for for the neutrals, particularly the, the handball nerds like us. And uh, that's because of Poland. No, uh, because of Faroe <laughs> Islands. And I think we have to uh, we have to start there. For the Faroes making their debut. Uh, I think a team that has uh, has gotten all of us uh, as kind of handball fans and neutrals very excited over the uh, the last few years now uh, basically on the eve of this championship you're playing a test match against belgium tonight helgi how's uh, the mood in the camp and how is oli mitton is he fit yeah all this uh, all this uh, be- began training again uh, this week so so he will he will probably be uh uh, be con- contributing in the the championship, so uh, so we we'll see uh, we'll see how much he, he plays over the weekend. Uh, probably not a lot, but uh, uh, but the mood is very good, and uh, and we're uh, we're evolving every day. Uh, even though that it's a, it's a tight pro- program, and we look forward to to a a tough championship on our on our part. Daniel, are you a bit jealous that everyone used to get excited about Norway? Now it's the Faroe Islands. 
Well, I understand it, you know, and uh, I'm in the group stage. I'm, maybe I'm kind of more excited about Faroe Island myself. Uh, <laughs> it's not very often that we have like uh, this completely new story to tell. I mean, the story with our own players, it's kind of the same as it, as it has been for many years. We have the same group of uh, players uh, almost since uh, 2016 when we had our kind of real big breakthrough. So I'm really looking forward to presenting the Faroe Island team for the Norwegian viewers because I think for many of our viewers who doesn't watch a lot of handball for the rest of the year, I think they believe that Faroe Islands is kind of the same as Greenland were in the women's championship and that is kind of like this amateur team coming in and will be beaten with a lot of goals. So I, it will be really fun to kind of tell that story and to and to present them and show them that we have what, some of the biggest humble talents in the world meeting Norway in the group stage. And Helge, is there a difference to how you're approaching this tournament or you know how this team is approaching their first kind of senior tournament are you looking back to kind of you know underage tournaments where the team has done well and trying to replicate that or is it a different mindset of course it's uh, it's different in the, in the senior uh, championship uh, but uh, fortunately we have uh, we have some experience in in the youth uh, uh, championships but uh, but it, this is a completely another a new uh, a new game for us and uh, and uh, we are approaching this with uh, with every yeah try, trying to get inspiration from uh, from a lot of different uh, different places and different teams and uh, we have uh, we have an experienced coach uh, fortunately who who knows a lot about this game and uh, and how it is to to be at the championships so so we're preparing in uh, in every way possible <laughs> as much as we can yeah can you give us a bit of insight into into the preparation because i, I guess once you qualified back in April, was there a shift uh, in your personal preparations as well? Because, you know, there's not so much time you get to spend together. You had those test matches against Iceland uh, a couple of months ago. You have the camp now. But I guess it must have been a big motivating factor for all of you because you're all playing at different levels as well to kind of raise whatever you can control, whether it be physically or mentally in that time. Yeah, of course. It's it's not uh, it's not one single player who hasn't given it all since uh, since we qualified and uh, and uh, as you say the the big improvement is is done out in the clubs uh, on different levels. But uh, but we are uh, we are very uh, happy that we, when we meet uh, with the national team again, it's it's right on the case. It's, it's not uh, any super uh, superficial work that has be has to be done, and every every player is very. Uh, uh, prepared to to uh, to do the job to to make the team better and uh, we are we are looking uh, maybe the strongest that we uh, we ever have been and the preparation uh, to the tournament is uh, is mainly focusing on on the first game against Slovenia because uh, we have to uh, we have to surprise somewhere and uh, we have to we have to use uh, use all possibilities we can to 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 win a game and and uh, yeah, we have we have the most time preparing against uh, Slovenia in, in the first game. Yeah, Daniel. So how's the the Norwegian team shaping up in terms of of injuries and how fit is the squad looking? I mean, you, you mentioned as well that more or less the core team is the same as 2016. And do the expectations match up with past championships, or have you lowered your expectations a little bit? Jørgen Johansen and Abel Vikerød they did not play the match against Denmark. 
last night at the time of this recording. So they are still a little bit injured. I'm not sure how bad it is. Uh, they are hoping that they will play now the, the, the next two games in this um, Golden League tournament before the championship. And if you saw the game against Denmark, we badly need Abel Vikeröd to be fit. Harald Reinkin, he played, uh, uh, I would say, one of his uh, worst uh, matches for Norway uh, against Denmark. Uh, it, it was not good. And um, he has actually been struggling um, a lot in the national team compared to how he does it in the Bundesliga. And I find that quite strange and puzzling. And, and maybe we have to go back actually all the way to 16 to find, you know, his last really good tournament for the national team. So that's kind of worrying. So we need Abel Wickerö to be 100% fit. And I mean, you have seen him in Champions League uh, this autumn uh, or, the, or the last year. And, and at his best is that he delivered some fantastic games, you know. It has been up and down, but but at his best, you know, he, he he has to carry that position, and we have to hope that Reinkin can can be better than we saw him against Denmark. And um, when it comes to the expectations, I would I would say my expectations were pretty low last tournament one year ago, and we were actually three seconds away or zero point five seconds away of being in a semi final. We were there. I mean, Bjornsson, all he had to do was run three more steps and throw the ball anywhere in that arena. Um, you know, I, I couldn't believe it. It was the worst experience of my life as a commentator. And all my notes and papers were ripped into pieces, you know. So I, I didn't have my notes during uh, the extra time because I, I just I just threw it all away. Uh, so, so my expectations is higher. Uh, than last year, mainly because of Kolsta has uh, seemed good during the autumn. They started really terrible. Then I would say semi-final, forget it. But now Sander Sagosen looks really good. He's lighter, he's faster. He looks more uh, his uh, old self. Uh, Abel Wikirör has looked very good. Uh, Barry Gru also at his best now looks good. So that makes me confident that we will fight for a semi-final spot. And uh, the match against Denmark, we were behind with five goals yesterday, played a draw. That was uh, a strong performance, I would say. So, yeah, I think we will fight uh, with Sweden for that semi-final spot. And I think we have a good chance against Sweden. Yeah, you mentioned about Kolstad. Has there been discussion within Norway of, you know, whether this is going to help the team? Because we, you know, that's... One thing that we talked about at the very start that, you know, the whole point was you get all the Norwegian players together, you get this generation that's been around since 2016, get them together, get them playing constantly, um, get Christian Berger in, who's probably having a lot of conversations with Jonas Villa, and it's going to help the team. Is this, you know, it's only been six months of this, or, you know, it's, it's only the start, but... Do you see that transferring into the national team already, or is this something that will take a little while? Ooh, I mean, it can't be a bad thing. It has to be positive, right? Uh, if we can see that already, I think it's uh, difficult for... I, I think you maybe have to have uh, more humble coaching skills, maybe, than I do to, to see those details. But I mean, Berge and Jonas Wille, they have a similar kind of approach and philosophy. 
so the playing style of Colsta and, and the national team, it, it's it's similar. Uh, so, I mean, it, 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 it will be a positive thing, uh, thing I believe. Uh, what Berge was criticized for during his time as a coach was the lack of variety in the Norwegian play. You know, we are pretty conservative in Scandinavia, both in our uh, defense, as you guys know, and in our uh, at- attacking play. That that when we are struggling, we are still just doing the same and hoping that Sander Sagosen somehow will solve it. And we have also lost a little bit of our counterattacks, I would say, the last couple of years, which was our uh, one of our strengths. Uh, when we had this real breakthrough in 16 and 17 and, and, and 2020, where we should have won the gold medal, I would say. And um, yeah, so, so Jonas Ville has to evolve as well, I think, because we, we don't play a lot of seven against six. Uh, we don't have a lot of um, more offensive, uh, you know, more, um, do you say that? Um, um, Offense in in the defense play, you know, yeah, five uh, yeah. one or or, or 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 those kind of formations, uh, and of course, when you see Denmark, when you see Nikola Jakobsen, you know, he always have a solution for every difficult situation, and I mean, I think we really can improve uh, in in a lot of those areas. I would say, yeah. I, I didn't see that game against Denmark, but was Sander Sagesen playing? two-way kind of in defense and attack and leading that transition because yep. that that's what he's been doing for Kolstad and that's what he stopped doing for Norway a while ago. Um, I think they are better when he plays two-way. Absolutely. And uh, remember in 16, we had uh, Espen Lee Hansen as one of uh, our transition players and uh, he we scored a lot of goals uh, in transition, you know, just running up and throwing it from nine meters before the defense was ready. We had a lot of those type of um, uh, um, goals. Uh, and as you said, we have lost some of that. And yes, against Denmark, uh, Sander Sagosen, he played both ways. Absolutely. Helgi, uh, you've also been playing in Norway the last few years, uh, playing for Christian Sand. Uh, I don't want to. We don't want to make it too Norwegian. So I just want to get your your quick thoughts on on Kolstad and and what you think that has done for this Norway team. Uh, I think as uh, as Daniel says, uh, there's been a lot of improvement on the Kolstad team, and uh, especially uh, Sagos and looking in uh, in better form than than he did uh, at the start of the season, and that has been a, a big change for both Kolstad and and the Norwegian national team. He he has said so himself that he's lost a few a few kilos and uh, and that that has uh, has made him in better shape and he's playing uh, both ways uh, transition play as you you guys uh, talked about is is one of his uh, strongest weapons and and uh, Santos Santos and in uh, in top form is absolutely crucial for for the Norwegian team to uh, to reach semifinals or maybe even a final on this Faroese team and the group they're playing I think the the whole group is what's really fascinating because you have kind of two wildcard teams as well in Slovenia and Poland, both also dealing with some injury worries. What at this point would you consider a success to be for Faroe Islands at this championship? Is it something kind of on court results or, or is it a bit more kind of long-term thinking than that? Yeah, it's uh... of course when you're, when you're down in the Berlin playing in this group, you, you want the results, but uh 
but we have to evaluate on the on the play and how, how we play the the games. Uh, if we're lucky and if we're good, uh, we can play some uh, some uh, exciting games and, and maybe even get the result. But we have to be on our absolute top to even even think about a result uh, in this group. Uh, it's a, it's a tough group and. Uh, of course, Norway is, uh, is uh, the favorites in, are the favorites in the in the group, and Slovenia, Poland. May, maybe we can. Uh, there, there's a talk with uh, on a good day, maybe. Stylistically, I think there are two very interesting matchups in Slovenia and Poland for Faroe Islands because Slovenia is a kind of let's say a smaller, more dynamic team, which is probably similar to the Faroe Islands, while Poland are big, burly, but they actually struggle with a smaller. Um, kind of faster playmakers is there one of them that stylistically do you think you could uh, is better for Faroe Islands to beat or to play uh, in the recent years we, we've seen that uh, that against uh, against the big heavy players we we have uh, we have an edge on them in the in the uh, one against one play uh, both defensively and uh, and offensively uh, offensively um, the thing is that <laughs> big line players don't suit us very well so uh, Subchak uh, and uh, Blagatinchek are gonna be uh, tough to to manage for us. We we kind of have have a mix between this. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe some Slovenian handball and some Polish handball. We're we're very organized, but we have a have a very good. Uh, we have some very good uh, one against one players. So so it's kind of of a mix between maybe playing a little bit uh, Scandinavian, a little bit uh, more uh, Eastern European than maybe South European. Uh, I I could I couldn't say if if one team matches us better than the other, but it's it's gonna be tough uh, no matter what what team we we meet uh, down there. Slovenia and and Poland, as I said, on a, on a very good day for us, uh, we can maybe maybe think about a result. Okay, boys. Just before we let you go, we have to do the thing which uh, nobody likes doing unless they get it right in hindsight, and that's predictions. So <laughs> we'll start with you, Daniel. We want your gold, silver, bronze, plus your MVP for the tournament. I think Nora might sneak in there from what you're saying. The problem for me is that at least one time or maybe a couple of instances, I have predicted top three or top four. That is impossible. That I have, I have actually chosen. You know, <laughs> on that as well. Yeah, that as well. <laughs> you know, on the, on the too many teams from one side of the tournament. Uh, that has happened uh, at least one time. Uh, both me and Ole Ervik actually both did it at one tournament. <laughs> so I must say that I, I've, I've actually uh, come a little bit unprepared into this uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> and haven't, okay. uh, and haven't uh, really checked um, uh, what is possible uh, when it comes to... You tell us and we'll tell you if it's possible or not, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but, but I truly believe, of course, that Denmark will win. Uh, it's impossible not to say that Denmark will win. They have an amazing team, and 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 uh, I mean, uh, the, the, this this squad, uh, this uh, this gang of players. It's one of the best teams we have ever seen, and, and they're, they're playing fantastic handball. So I have to say that Denmark will uh, again take the gold medal. Although it's a it's a long time, isn't it, since they've done it in the Euros? They've been the World Championship team. So let's see if uh, they are continuing to, to struggle in the Euros. But I, I think that, um, that Denmark definitely will take the gold medal. 
So far, so good. That that can happen. So that's what <laughs> <laughs> that was the easy part, wasn't it? And I'm wondering if I'm going to put Norway in a semi-final. And I actually, actually think I will put the Norway in a semi-final because uh, although we have lost... A, remember Sweden, wasn't it last championship? They were one bad pass away from uh, losing against Czech, uh, the Czech Republic and getting the championship, uh, you know, ruined already in the group stage and then they won a gold medal and then they actually should have lost against Norway as well. So I, I think Norway will beat Sweden this time and uh, go through to the semi-final and then we can't meet Denmark there and then Norway will be in the final against Denmark and we will take a silver medal. Wow. Like what it. about that? Yeah. What about that? Yeah. <laughs> I like it. And then, and then your, your bronze then goes to whoever Norway beats in the semi-final. Yeah, and uh, then I will um, I will say that uh, Germany, mm-hmm. uh, the home nation, uh, will um, have the advantage of playing at home. The home nations always, almost always, uh, goes a long way in the tournament, and and uh, I will say that we will do as we did in 2019 and beat Germany in the semi-final on their home turf. And Sander Sargosen can once again uh, make the German fans angry, as he did yeah. in that arena. That was a great memory. <laughs> <laughs> so there you have it. And your MVP? My MVP, it will be, it depends, it will be Landin or Gitzel. And uh, I will say uh, Matthias Gitzel. Helgi, how does your predictions match up? Yeah, I uh, agree with Daniel on... on um, yeah, most most parts. Uh, I I think the Denmark are very looking very very strong, and and you have to have them as as favorites to to go all the way. I also think that Germany can uh, can do something on home court. They they've shown it uh, before. Uh, I think Iceland are looking uh, are looking stronger than than ever, uh, especially offensively, and and Victor Gisli in in goal is is looking uh, looking good. So. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's, if it's possible to to have Denmark, Germany, and maybe Iceland number three. It is as long as you knock out, as long as France aren't going to the semi-finals. Then yeah, <laughs> you, you, you can you can never you can never underestimate France and Spain and uh, yeah Sweden also. But uh, yeah, Norway are also looking strong. But uh, yeah, I, I also have have a little bit of a heart, of a heart uh, for Iceland. So so I'll put Germany in second place and, and Iceland on three. Nice. And your MVP? Omar Inge Magnusson. That's, uh, that's a nice, uh, diverse range of predictions there, which is nice. Uh, someone not going for Gietzel is uh, always good to see. Daniel. It's a safe play from Daniel. <laughs> I, I, I tried to do something fun and predict uh, Romania uh, top four in the women's championship and that ended badly. So, yeah. <laughs> I have uh, nothing to lose here. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Amazing stuff, Daniel, Helgi. Thank you so much. And uh, see you both at the championship. Good luck with your test match as well today, Helgi and uh, we'll all be rooting for you I'm pretty sure even Daniel a little bit. <laughs> absolutely no I, my heart is with the Faroe Islands thank you very much guys so moving on to group E and we've got Ola Selby from Handball's Canalen and go handball with us Ola how you doing I'm great thanks how are you guys very good and excited to speak about the reigning champions with you and uh 
already within the three of us, I think we have three very differing opinions on what this team is capable of at the European Championship. So we want to hear uh, what you think. How do you think this team is set up for the Euro? I think it's actually looking quite good. Uh, I'm, I'm a bit worried about them only playing Ukraine and Japan this, uh, this season before the, the Euros. But player-wise and so on, everything is looking pretty good, I, I believe. It's interesting because for, for many years we've talked about this squad being very complete. I mean, we saw that uh, when they won it, they're just, you know, th- there's almost no weaknesses in the team. Um, and a question that Chris wrote down for us to ask was, is there any weaknesses? But I, I, I found a weakness uh, and I want to ask if you think that is the same. And I think the form of the players of this Swedish team is not at the same level as it was in the previous years. Players like Ian Gottfriedsson, even Johansson, are not at like their peak performance. Do you agree with that? And do you think that will have an impact? Yeah, I agree with you, especially those two players that you mentioned. Uh, I think in Jim's case, in Gottfriedsson's case, he's played, he's played better. I think maybe December was his best month with Flensburg, but uh, his season has not been that great uh, besides that. So yeah, I, I definitely agree with you, but I don't know. On the other hand, there's other players like Felix Klaw. He's had a he's had an amazing season, and and uh, other players as well. So, but I guess uh, it, it's it's like it always is, always is with Sweden. It's it's much up to Gottfriedsson. So, if he's not in in tip top shape, then then it'll definitely have an impact on Sweden, no matter how how great uh, Klaw is playing. And when you look over the last two years, I mean, you talked about someone like Felix Klar is a name that comes into some people's minds. But how do you think the team has developed since they, or maybe not has, or maybe gone a bit backwards since they have took the title at the last Euro? Yeah, I think I think they've gone backwards actually because especially especially in defense, uh, when they won the Euros two years ago. That was the the biggest part, the biggest reason, besides it being like a COVID championship. So it was weird uh, in that case. But I think uh, when it comes to the offensive, the yeah, I would I would definitely say the, the defense part. That's not uh, that's not uh, as great as it as it has been. Um, otherwise, it's it's quite similar, I believe. I'm not sure if this is just like Scandinavian uh, being down on the team here and not. Uh... Not excited about it, but like uh, someone like Felix Klar has really, really excited me this season. And maybe not completely surprised that you said it's going to rely on Jim Gottfriedsson, but Felix Klar not a better player now? Is he not going to take over this team at the championship? I think he should, based on form, but I don't think it'll ever happen. As long as Jim, <laughs> as long as Jim is in the team, it's it's basically his team, so... I don't think that'll ever happen, but maybe they'll try and play and claw as a left back in some cases because Wolfsburg basically never plays left back in in Barcelona, and and Eric Johansson hasn't had that great of a season either. So maybe, but as long as Jim is there, uh, Claw will have to yeah be the the second player as a playmaker because you have a bunch of players in this backcourt that. In one way, you can say they're really flexible. You know, Clara can play left back, playmaker. Same with Eric Johansson. Same with 
um, Carlsberg Ore, but in another way, they're, they've all kind of been playing primarily playmaker, all of these players, and um, it can be a little bit redundant. Do you think, you know, the, this backcourt will click or will it struggle to kind of find a place? Even just having all of these players around, it's a, it's a tough choice of who you fit into the starting lineup. Yeah, it's a great question because I think... Uh... When Sulbay, Glenn Sulbay took over as, as the coach, he, he talked a lot about wanting two-way players. And when he took over, everyone was playing um, two-way in their club teams. But it's not, it's not like that anymore. So, but they're still trying to play the same way in the national team as they did two years ago. So maybe that, there's something there that maybe they need to do something a bit different. I don't know what they need to do, but maybe they need to do something to change it up. Uh, and now they have Andreas Nilsson back uh, in the national team as well. So they have a bigger threat from the pivot position. But on the other hand, I think it will be the, the third option uh, behind Max Dai and Oscar Bayandon. So I don't know how much they will use him. But uh, they, they definitely need to do something else this championship. They can't do the exact same thing as they've, as they've done before. That'll never be good enough, I believe. When you're saying that they need to do something a bit different, did the squad selection surprise you at all that it was quite, there was no new names really in there or that it wasn't that adventurous with the squad selection? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think uh, a player like Lucas Nilsson, who's been amazing uh, in Allboy this season, I think uh, it's uh, it's strange that he's not there because the argument before has been, oh, well, he's not that great. Uh, He's not that great a two-way player. But now I think he is. So... Uh, maybe he should have been there. Otherwise, I don't. I feel that the squad now. I don't have that much to to criticize. But I think uh, Lucas Nilsson should have been in the team. Yeah, I really agree with uh, Lucas Nilsson. I, I don't really get how a player like Carl Valenius got ahead of him based on form this year. He's Lucas Nilsson has really been impressive in both the league for Alberg and and the Champions League. Maybe there's some uh, a bit of history. Uh, there, you know, Lucas Nilsson was always one of the bad boys in in Sweden's down era. I think he, he at least the press um, counted him as one. So maybe there's a bit of history there. How do you think they'll uh, navigate this group? Then it's it's probably the the best group they could get. I would say it's uh, one of the softest ones uh, when you look at uh, Bosnia Herzegovina and Georgia in there. Uh, the Netherlands are. Are going to be a tough challenge but not at full strength with kai smith's out is there any worries here at all for you <laughs> i would love to say yes because that would have been a much more fun answer but I, I don't think there is anything to be worried about if kai smith's would have been playing i would have been maybe a bit worried about the netherlands and no i think she sweden should win all of these three games pretty comfortably oh, the netherlands I, I had such high hopes for them this this year um just based on the way that they've built their kind of year-on-year, tournament-on-tournament. I thought they were, you know, just about ready to actually challenge for a semi-final spot and then you lose Kai Smits. And uh, yeah, that's that's all you can say, really. The last question then, uh, what kind of inform what you think about this team's overall chances. Uh, who are your your three medal predictions for the end of the championship? And uh, who do you think the the MVP is going to be? And if Sweden is not in that top three, uh, why? 
Uh, first of all, I think that Denmark and France are above the rest of the teams. They're in a class of their own. Uh, that's how I see it. Uh, and then it's between Spain and Sweden. So I think, okay, so Denmark will get the gold. France will get the silver. And then I believe that Spain will uh, once again beat Sweden uh, and take home the bronze. So I'm that boring. It's the exact same podium as a year ago. But, <laughs> but, uh, and the, my dark horse is, uh, is Norway. Uh, I would have liked to say Iceland as well, but I don't think their defense is good enough. Um, and I think why Sweden won't uh, be in the top top three is just basically like it was a year ago. Uh, they can't handle when when Spain do di- different things. They they can't really handle that. Um, so I guess that'll be. I'm thinking that'll be a problem uh, this this time as well. And it's like I said before. Um, Sweden always just they always do the same thing they never change anything up and I guess the, that doesn't fit that well with the way Spain is playing so uh, yeah I, unfortunately the exact same podium as a year ago and your MVP? Uh, I, yeah, I have to say uh, Matthias Gitzel uh, boring as well but uh, can't really say anyone else uh, right now that's fair good stuff Ola thanks a lot enjoy these big test matches against Japan <laughs> yeah I will Hello. thank you guys bye bye that was Ola on Sweden and uh, we wanted to get Stein Steinhus in as well to talk about the Netherlands but he's a little bit busy right now his uh, partner is due to give birth any minute now so he sent us a, a voice note instead, which I think is quite acceptable. And uh, he gives a little bit of insight into the Dutch. Obviously, the absence of Kai Smits is a huge blow for the Netherlands, together with Luke Steins and also goalkeeper Bart Ravensbergen. He's the most important player for the Oranges. The first Champions League winner from the Netherlands and also top scorer in the last two tournaments, uh, with the Dutch national team. Uh, Niels Versteinen from Lemgo, also a right-back player, has to replace Smits. He scored five goals in 40 minutes yesterday against Egypt. The Netherlands lost with 30-28, and in the Golden League they will also play against Denmark, who is the big favourite for me to win the Euros, and Norway. So I'm really curious what the Netherlands can do uh, in the group. They're going to face Sweden, uh, Georgia and also Bosnia. I think the second place is the target. And if they reach the main round, that would be cool. And after that, it's going to be really hard because Versteinen is the only right-back player uh, besides Smits. Also, Tom Janssen from Gummersbach is injured. So it's going to be really hard to replace uh, the right-back player from Flensburg. The Netherlands is a good team. The first, well, I think eight, nine players are good. And after that, it's going to be a little bit different on this high level. Who's going to be the MVP was the last question. Well, it's a little bit boring, but I think Gitzel is going to be that. He's such a good player. And I think he will become handy as a Dutchman to replace Kai Smits. So I'm going to dream on. Well, thank you for that, Stein. He was hoping for second place for the Netherlands. Ola expecting first place. I guess that's pretty much uh, on all of our cards as well. Uh, Our big question here, Alex, is our former opponents, Georgia, are they going to get a victory in their first Euro against Bosnia? (laughs) Well, I I feel like, you know, I feel like Georgia have something in them. Um, I think they probably have a bit more momentum than Bosnia. 
don't know, I, I'm pretty bored of Bosnia at these championships just showing up and not doing much. So at least for Georgia, it's a, it's a country on the rise with some young players and um, yep. so, uh, some good friends of ours that we've played many times um, turning up like uh, Chekov Bradze, who's really been a... Uh, a revelation in the Bundesliga this season. It's it, a revelation just because he's done some absolutely insane things like 360 no scope behind the back from nine meter shots that go in. Um, so do look out for him. But uh, for Georgia, they are actually missing their second best player, Kaladadze, who I think we played against when he was about 16 and he still tore us, tore through us every time. Um, but he, a Chambry player, um, he got a serious knee injury. So that's going to dampen their chances. That's more insight on Georgia than any other handball podcast is going to give you folks. So that's why you're here. Yeah. There you go. Alex Kulesh giving you value for money in a matter of a couple of minutes. Moving on to group F. Saving the best for last with our two guests here. And first of all, Marcio Menino, how you doing? How you doing, guys? All good? All good. Great uh, great 2024 for everybody. Happy New Year to you as well. And uh, we're speaking to you on uh, the Friday before the championship. We just saw Portugal play a test match against Germany yesterday. Uh, after that, how are you feeling about this team? Uh, oh, you know, Chris, uh, it's uh, oh, you, we usually say if we play well, oh yeah, it was just a test match. If we play bad, oh, it was just just a test match. So uh, it's kind of like a, it's a, it's a good thing, and at the same time, uh, probably some things that we need to change. I think that uh, the the score was better than the exhibition. But I do uh, do understand that we were testing a lot of players and a, a, a new gameplay from uh, what we previously had before, especially from four years ago where we bet our lives on the seven against six. And now we were playing more uh, as a team, as a normal six against six with, uh, well, sometimes playing the seven six, but that's going to be just a few minutes per game i don't think we're gonna use it every every time for like 15 20 minutes like we used to i think now we're playing more as a six normal team so to say and yeah and the the surprise is gone and uh, now everybody knows what we're able to do but at the same time is also uh we don't have any surprises to give so uh it becomes a, a more uh, so to say easier way to uh, study us so you saying it's going to be boring now watching Portugal because we've been glazing over Portugal for years now. It will never be boring. It will never be boring, but uh, it, it's going to be a different, a different style. Uh, and also, we, we're renewing the team, as you can see, with the Costa brothers and all, and a few other members. So uh, it's going to take us a little while. Hopefully, not a uh, ten or fifteen years as it was before, but uh, like in a one year or so, we'll, we'll probably have a a team capable of going up against the best ones again. Yeah, it's 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 funny because I was I was just about to say that, you know, we've had a generation pass of Portugal, the one that came through and you know, they're almost on the way out. I was about to say that. And then I look at the age of Miguel Martins. He's 26. You know, we have uh <clears throat> Cavalcanti, 27. Uh, Louis Friday, 25. So th this generation is actually, they're just coming into their peak and they're kind of being followed by another generation. So, you know, uh, do you think 
you're saying that it's still too early for that to really work. But do you think actually that slightly older generation is going to get better uh, this time around? Hopefully, yes. Hopefully, yes, because now we're having uh, more chances to play internationally. And it's great for the kids to play these games because they develop and they have more experience for the future. Uh, I think this is the probably the most two, probably this going to be the two most important years for this uh, generation, especially the 26, 27, as you was talking about, because they will be implementing their experience in, in the court, you know, not no longer the 35, the 34, 33. For me, I think the, the, the toughest job is done, which is getting there. And now becomes the, the, the job of this ones to uh, keep it going, you know, the, the consistency to be on the, the top competitions always, to always be in the top competitions. Because the experience that the Francisco Costa and Martin Costa will have from this is uh, the one that will rise them. They will go through until they're 25, 26. And the, the guys now, Cavalcanti, Frade, and Miguel Martins, like you were saying, are the ones that will implement their personal experience to Francisco Costa, to Joaquin Nazaré, to Martin Costa, to all the youngsters now coming to the team. Because although we have still Portela and Areia and uh, Salina also in the team, they will be uh, probably now in, in a position they will just pass through their experience here and not show it in, on the court as much as they did four years ago to the to the youngsters. And now I think this uh, this will be the the, the, the stage that you need to let the the mediums uh, medium ones to come up and uh, show what they have can i just say i've been was really excited by the performance of uh, joachim nazare yesterday that really came out of nowhere for me uh 22 year old player in skjern uh rasmus boysen probably was it was waiting to let that one loose on all of us as a scaring man but no he did it himself against germany some of his play was fantastic and uh finally they have some options at right back which has been i think the big the big uh kind of question mark for this team over every championship since they've qualified is like they haven't got a really high quality right back which is maybe why they had to rely on 7v6 and so on but um I mean, that performance yesterday, the second half performance kind of gave me a lot more hope about this team because I think I and many others were were not expecting too much from this team. So so I wonder in, in your perspective and, and the Portuguese perspective, what would be a successful tournament here for Portugal? Yeah, I saw that you guys were saying that Portugal is going to be a disappointment, especially Erasmus is going to be the disappointing team of, uh, of the, the, the tournament. But uh, I think that... It, for us, if we manage to get the top 12, maybe, maybe, just maybe the top 10, it would be awesome. As a transition team, as a team that is now trying to search for new players to get, get into the team, um, getting a top 12, top 10 will be amazing. Um, I doubt that we will reach the fifth or sixth place as we used to, as we did in uh, 2020. And um, and the world championship we were tenth, but uh, I doubt that we were we will be able to do that. But uh, twelve twelve will be uh, a good a good result for us. But I think that uh, the best result will be to see the kids playing a lot. I think that that would be the because next time it's going to be them 
always. So <laughs> they need to start playing now and uh, not in two years when, uh, you know, when they probably go like, oh, is this a ball? Oh, is this Denmark playing against me? Oh, my God. I'm um, finally playing against my favorite player. No, they, they, they need to do that right now. And in two years, they're gonna, I'm going to beat your ass. That's, uh, that's probably what they're going to do in two years. But yeah, um, I think that, that that's going to be a, a good position for us, top 12. So we want your gold, silver, bronze. Um, I don't think you're going to send your top 10 would be good. I don't think you've Portugal <laughs> in there. And then we want your maybe fourth place as well, just for fun. And then you can give us your MVP at the tournament. Okay. As well. Um, I think my gold will be France, despite the goalkeeper's uh, issue. But I think it's uh, it's going to be France. I think Denmark is going to be second. And I wanted to say Norway is third, but I don't know. You can say that if you want. I can say it. Uh, <laughs> I have my doubts still. Uh, but uh, I saw yesterday also the... Um, the match between Denmark and Norway, I was watching the game and I was uh, watching Nielsen just uh, smashing that goalkeeper in a position second half against Norway. And I was like, Jesus, what is going on? So I'm kind of like in doubt on, on those three. But uh, let's say, let's go with this. Let's go with this. Uh, and I think uh, Germany will be or fourth or fifth because of home ground, home turf, as they say. It will be uh, with a lot of a lot of German people going like ah, Deutschland, Deutschland, <laughs> and and your MVP. My MVP. I don't want to say Gitzel. I don't want to say it. <laughs> but it's gotta be yeah. Gitzel. <laughs> choose another one. Just gonna just choose another different player. I'll go. I'll go probably with Mem. I'll go with Mem. Dika Mem. Yeah. I saw Spain also yesterday against Poland. And that defense was not uh, convincing as it was in the previous mm -hmm. years. So mm -hmm. I think Spain will probably, I won't say the disappointment, but, uh, mm -hmm. but we, you, you can never count off Spain, of course. In the previous two tournaments before, uh, in the 2020 and 2022, I said they would win uh, and they won. So uh, I'm, uh, I'm fairly my okay on there. this. <laughs> got, my, got, got my back, yeah. Yeah. Got my back. <laughs> But I think I think Spain will uh, probably they are also in a different generation uh, as as Portugal is, but probably theirs is kind of like I won't say worse than us, but uh, in in a position that they cannot hold themselves to be on the on the medals. So probably uh, it's going to be that way. Good stuff. Thank you very much, Marcio. Ah, thank you. We'll see you soon, courtside. Quite side, yeah, hopefully. And take it easy till then. And don't forget to don't forget to bring your passport. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. ID at least. Cheerio. Take care, guys. Take care. And continuing Group F, we have a man who needs no introduction on this podcast. Rasmus Boysen. Are you looking forward to the championship, Rasmus? Guys, of course I do. Uh, it's my Christmas Christmas Eve. So uh, yeah. January is by far my favorite month. Good stuff. So we've spoken to a lot of experts, a lot of uh, people have given their opinion, and probably two of the most common answers were that Denmark are going to win and that Gitzel is going to be MVP. Are you feeling as confident that both of those things are, are going to come true, uh, given the fact that 
Denmark maybe don't have the the best history as uh, EHF Euros compared to World Championships? I'm going to say that I think there's a lot of good teams. Uh, it will be difficult. Uh, I don't see Denmark as such a big favorite as many others, I think. But of course, uh, in my opinion, Denmark has uh, the best on paper, the best uh, and most quality team in the world. Uh, so uh, Denmark should be a favorite. But I think there's a lot of good uh, teams. I think the half for Denmark is is great. Uh, of course, uh, Sweden and and Norway are, are great teams, but but should be possible to go to a semi final. And then we know that everything uh, can happen, and it's in Cologne, so everything everything can happen this, <laughs> this time. So I think there's a lot of good teams, but uh, yeah, and Matthias Gisel, of course, we we saw him in the Bundesliga. We have seen him uh, in a lot of championships uh, lately for Denmark, and he's just. An absolutely massive player offensively. So yeah, he he could be MVP. But again, I think there's a lot of good uh, players uh, who could uh, stand out in in this championship. Uh, and the European Championship is uh, a bit different from uh, from from World Championship and also for the from the Olympics. Uh, maybe not that that much from the Olympics. But uh, there's a lot of good teams, and uh, history has, has shown also lately that uh, with two. Uh, two teams uh, going through and two teams going home it's it's just not easy but i think that denmark uh, once again the draw for denmark uh, is pretty good tell us a little bit more about this danish team um you mentioned gitzel there on paper it's really it's hard to find too many issues with it we, we could maybe pick at the the test match a couple of days ago and say you know with with hansen and and laugen there at times it didn't quite flow as it should. How do you see that? And, and how do you see this squad as a whole? Yeah, I see some players uh, who have performed very, very well uh, in this uh, in this fall. And I see some, some players uh, who haven't. Uh, I see uh, Simon Pütlik, of course, going into the championship uh, with, a, with an injury problem before. And now he's, of course, fit, but not on 100%. The same with Mikael Damgo. Uh, Mikkel Hansen uh, has not played his his best uh, half of a season in in Aalborg. Maybe the, a little bit the same with Rasmus Lauge, uh, but also of course some players who have 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 done so good. Uh, yeah, we just mentioned uh, Matthias Gisel, but the goalkeeper uh, duo also, of course, Emil Nielsen uh, and uh, Niklas Landin. In my opinion, two of the three best goalkeepers in the world, and of course that's a good start. Um, <laughs> yeah, a lot of guys in Denmark talks about the defense. We we do that all the time. Uh, is it good enough? Uh, but <laughs> uh, Denmark always scores a lot of goals. Goals, and maybe <laughs> the defense, uh, after all, isn't that important. Uh, but uh, I see I see a Danish team with with high hopes, with a lot of good players. Uh, uh, and everyone uh, asks, what is uh, what is the bigger pro- biggest problem for Denmark? Yeah, it's difficult to find, but I have seen some matches when when they play against opponents who who play really really hard physically. Uh, we saw it against Croatia in the last championship. Um, they could have some problems. Also, Spain maybe not that physically, but the tactically way. Uh, we also saw it in 2020 with Hungary. So uh, if Denmark uh, face uh, a team who will do uh, some damage uh, tactically, defensively, maybe, uh, I don't know, they could uh, get some problems. Uh, and I think Denmark, we, we need to be humble. There's a lot of good teams, as mentioned before. And you said that you fancied the draw, or you felt like you're happy with the draw in Group F, obviously, with Portugal, Czech Republic and Greece. 
Um, talk to us a bit about the group and uh, what you think is going to happen there, because you did pick Czech Republic maybe as your dark horse for the for the tournament. Uh, so you fa- probably fancy them to come out over Portugal. Maybe you could just give us a few words on what you think about that group. Yeah, uh, of course, Denmark is huge, uh, huge favorites. Uh, and then after that, I think that it's pretty open. I, I think Portugal is a very good team on paper, but the last two or three years haven't performed that uh, that good defensively and also for the goalkeepers. I don't see them uh, as strong as uh, some of the other teams, and I can, I can see that uh, Czech Republic. They have a great uh, starting seven, in my opinion. They have uh, maybe also uh, in goal uh, Machva should be a better goalkeeper than the Portuguese guys. Uh, I saw that he. Uh, I don't know uh, the situation right now, but I saw that he yesterday uh, left the court against uh, Hungary. So uh, I think it was a hip injury. If if he's uh, out, uh, of course, it would be a massive blow for, for Czech Republic. But I think we also saw it uh, against Sweden uh, in the last championship, the, uh, European championship. They, they just have some good players, uh, Czech Republic. And I think that Xavi Sabate is a very, very tactically strong coach so i think that they could maybe do some uh, some damage also matei klima has been really really good uh, in, in leipzig uh, in, in this season and uh, yeah they have a good uh, team and then of course greece uh, i look forward to see them in the championship i think also they have some some great players i like uh, the atmosphere in, in greece and i like that uh, they are developing uh, as a handball country so um, i think it would be very very good for them to get some experience in in this uh, championship and although they are they are underdogs, I think that also they have shown that uh, they are good. They 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 they, they won't just uh, lose with ten or, or fifteen goals against uh, Czech Republic and, and Portugal. I think yeah, it's a it's a tough group for them to to come into Greece. But uh, as you said, in, at least in qualifiers over the last you know four or five years, they've uh, been able to beat some big teams and and test some others. So nice that you're giving the the debutants a bit of a, a chance there as well and uh we mentioned just before uh we went uh started recording that uh you'll be heading down to germany a few times and uh i can imagine there's going to be a lot of danish support uh, particularly for hamburg in the main round and we've seen uh, how important having having venues just over the border has been as well as at home we had we saw it in uh, in malmo a few years ago when it was a Oh, a disastrous uh, Euro, but um, but do you expect a, a kind of a home championship in that way, a home feeling for, for Denmark at least until the end of the main round? Yeah, I think in the main round, I don't know about Munich, Munich how, how many people who will travel there, but uh, of course there will be a lot of Danes in Hamburg and we have <laughs> some good experience playing in Hamburg also in the 2019 uh, semifinals against mm-hmm. France. That was amazing. I, yeah. I was in the, in the arena and a very good experience. Uh, yeah, I, I think it will be good, but uh, I don't see the home court advantage as such a big thing uh, in when, we've, when we go into the main round uh, because... Of course, there'll also be some Norwegians and and Swedes, uh, I guess. Uh, so yeah, but nice uh, for for Danish uh, handball uh, fans that they can can go to to uh, to handball. Brian mentioned before it hasn't gone so well for for Denmark at the at the Euros. It's been I think since twenty twelve they haven't won the the gold. Of course, they've been there or thereabouts a few times, um, losing in semifinals or finals and. Uh, and of course, the disastrous one four years ago. Uh, 
what do you think the key thing is for this team to to navigate the championship and and go towards goal that maybe you're not outright saying right now that they're going to win, but that most people expect them to? The biggest difference from from the Euros and the World Championships is that Denmark uh, like to get into the uh, tournaments in an easy way. I think uh, to to win some some big wins, uh, and we saw that in the World Championships, and that's not, just not the case. In the Euros, that's that's more uh, more difficult. But maybe this time with the draw, I think that Denmark could get a good beginning uh, and get a lot of uh, players into the tournament in a right way. Uh, I think that that's uh, a good um, yeah a good way to, to get into it from Denmark. And then, of course, in the main round, uh, Denmark will face both both Sweden and, and Norway, and and these teams just know each other very very well and. I also mentioned that when going into the semifinals and in Cologne, it's like, uh, I think it's more than, it's just a coincidence that the Euros uh, Denmark haven't won uh, since two, two, uh, 2012. And maybe it's just all the luck we had in 2012, <laughs> we have missed that uh, afterwards. So maybe it's time again. With this being such a big year, and I think in a lot of people's mind, it's going to be maybe one of the best Euros, or hopefully one of the best Euros that we'll, we'll witness. It's fair to ask you about the host Germany and what you think their chances are, because I think that can have a an effect on the whole tournament and how far they go in terms of the the feeling of the whole tournament. Some people we spoke to are a little bit doubtful of them and how far they're going to go. And um, what's your opinion on them? Because I think you're quite familiar with watching them week in, week out in the Bundesliga as well. And why? How strong of a squad do you think they have coming into it? Yeah, for me, it's maybe the biggest uh, question mark. Uh, Germany. Uh, for me, it's always uh, difficult to. Uh, predict the host i think uh, because mm. is it is it good or is it bad of course normally for germany it's very very good uh, but it's also of course a pressure and they have a lot of young guys with uh, yeah pretty inexperienced uh, teams in some positions i think of course they they have experience from the bundesliga and that's also also great uh, but i see them uh, great wingers great uh, line players great goalkeepers um, the biggest issue for me is like the backcourt and uh, in the backcourt Yuri Knorr will be very 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 important uh, he has not been on top uh, in this season uh, but it looks like when playing for germany it's another role uh, and he's just just great we're, we're also uh, was also good against uh, portugal i uh, i think it's like uh, they have the chance to go to top 4 uh, but i I just don't see them win uh, win the championship, uh, but of course, top four for Germany will also be a, be a very good thing. And I think uh, for the future, it's nice to see a lot of young guys uh, coming in: uh, Spade, uh, Justus Fischer, uh, Renard Usch in uh, Lichtlein. All these guys, uh, it will be a big thing for them. But, but for me, it's just difficult to say how will they cope to this uh, experience. Uh, they will have a lot of support, but. They also in a very very difficult half uh, with a lot of good teams, and I don't see the depth in this German team. So I think that on a, on the right day they can beat maybe every team, but also in the wrong day they will have problems against uh, a lot of teams. Uh, so for me, it was maybe not the best answer. Very, no, it's, no, it's, it's very fair. fitting because uh, you know it's kind of the the vibe we were getting as well from uh, from Bjorn Patson at the very beginning of our first podcast, and. You know, it's funny talking him talking about the young players and uh, Kevin Domas talking about the French team and the, you know, the likes of Karabatic who are still in the squad. 
And Bjorn is saying, well, we don't have a choice. We don't, we don't have any old players. We need to bring in the young ones. So uh, that, that side of the championship is so, so hard to call. One more quick one. You mentioned you're going to be doing uh, uh, some podcasts with uh, Mediano. That's going to be in Danish. And you're going to be talking about the, uh, the fantasy handball with Hold It. We're going to be doing a Hold It competition as well. So seeing as uh, most of our listeners well, they won't be able to speak Danish, can you give us a quick uh, little bit of uh, a tip for anyone building their fantasy team for the European Championship? That's difficult to do quick. You know, I'm going to make <laughs> two, two hours for Mediano because like for me, the most important thing is maybe to to follow the news and to to swift uh, players in every round is just very, very important. Uh, of course, the European Championship, we don't see these very, very bad teams. Uh, so uh, I also think that there's some some good players in the small teams. And it's important to say that uh, if the team win uh, or lose, it's not that important. It's more important to, to find the players which which uh, makes a lot of goals and assists. Um, and of course, as, as mentioned, it's difficult yeah. to do it quick. but. But there are some players I think that uh, I would call must-haves, like uh, definitively uh, Matthias Gisl. Uh, yeah. We'll finish off now with your favorite thing to do is give predictions. So you give us your gold, silver, bronze, and maybe also fourth place, and then uh, who's going to be MVP at the end? I think that Denmark will win, uh, and I think they will win against France in the final. Uh, then I think uh, for me it was very difficult to say okay Germany or Spain, uh, but I think Spain. Uh, for me to, to to not say Spain, it's just too dangerous because they <laughs> always they're, they're, they're just so dangerous and they they know how to go to the semifinals. So I think they will win the bronze and then uh, Sweden as fourth uh, place. I think they will they will win against Norway in the main round uh, and go through. Uh, and then MVP, I think I I said Dikamem. Uh, maybe just because it's too easy to say Matthias Gisl. I think he's the favorite, but. It's maybe also because I just hope that uh, DKMM will have a, a great tournament. I think that uh, in Denmark, he's maybe a little underrated because, uh, of course, the main uh, thing in Denmark is the championships, uh, national uh, team championships. And for me, he's maybe even better uh, in the club uh, than in the uh, in the national team. So I just hope that uh, he will have a good tournament and, and show that in my opinion, he's the best uh, player in the world. Rasmus, a pleasure as always. Thanks for joining us and uh, hopefully see you at some point during the championship as well. See you guys. A pleasure. That's it. All six groups previewed. 11 experts giving their views. Have your minds been changed at home? Do you know which way the gold is going to go to? I think uh, many people agreed on it, but there are a few... Uh, Dissuading voices among the 11 there, which is good to hear as well. And uh, we're going to give our predictions for the medals and MVP as well. But just like we did at the end of the first podcast, which six teams are going to go through to the main round for Group 2, Alex? This one is relatively easy. I think Sweden, Netherlands um, ahead. I think Netherlands... They're just not quite where I want them to be, but uh, the group is clear. Uh, Denmark-Portugal should go through. Uh, I think Czech Republic may pose a challenge, but this Portuguese team is going to be good in this championship. And I 
skip the very first group and that is <laughs> Norway a group D which I completely skipped on Wikipedia as I'm looking through the groups <laughs> uh, Norway are going to win that group um, after that that's that's the hard one um, Poland to go through oh Brian yeah I had I think I stick with the way the group is sitting at the moment Norway and Slovenia uh first and second sweden netherlands stays as it is and i think then yeah i think it's oh i might say denmark czech republic for group f yeah czech republic the dark horse coming out of nowhere rasmus boyson mentions it once and here we are all (laughs) tipping them to go through (laughs) i uh i think i think denmark portugal as well and sweden netherlands (sighs) can faroe islands do it in the opening day against slovenia Helgi is uh, Hel- Helgi saying there that like everything they're doing is preparing to do something to surprise Slovenia. Maybe, but I'm going to go for Norway, Slovenia. Faroans are going to have one good result though. Whether it's against Poland or Slovenia, I don't know, but it may not be enough to take them through. I, I think Helgi convinced me with the the ship check argument that he's just too big and powerful for <laughs> very big. the Faroe Islands and probably for Slovenia as well. That's that's what tipped me towards uh, Poland. Okay, now for the, the big one, the medals. Who's got their medals and MVP ready? I know you do, Chris, so you go first. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have France, Iceland, Sweden, Denmark as a semi-finalist. I, I think it was Bjorn right at the beginning of the podcast who said that. And I agree, which is uh, never a good sign. But I'm going to go Denmark, Denmark gold, Iceland silver, France bronze. MVP. It's going to be one of those kind of throwback MVPs. It's going to be Miguel Hansen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. To go against my whole uh, take on the old boys. Yeah. It's oh, no, time it's not, for it's these not, old boys to move not, over. It's not. It's not going. To, to it's over. not going against your take. It's just how it's going to be. <laughs> you know, it wasn't so long ago that he was capable of doing it. And you know, when he scores forty penalties, that's going to help bolster that. So yeah, but Denmark to win gold. Did absolutely everyone predict Denmark to win? I think no. so. No, no, no. Actually, so, two, I think two didn't. Someone went for Sweden. <laughs> We've had so many now. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> but it's 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 impossible to look past Denmark. It, yeah. it just is. Um, I, I just Denmark are going to win it. That's 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 the way it is. I think from that side, I see Norway coming out into the semi-final. Mm-hmm. I really, I, I just don't get, don't have a good feeling about Sweden this year, and. From the other side, it's it's much more difficult, uh, and I'm gonna go with a simple one, and I'm just gonna say France and Spain, because they're just gonna do it. And I have Denmark beating Spain in the final, Norway bronze medal, and MVP has to be Matthias Gisel. Of course, it is. of course it is. Of course it is. But you know, we can't can't all say it. <laughs> it's just yeah, he's too good. He's too good, Ryan. Oh, since so many people. Oh, look, I, oh, can I change I, my MVP? Emil I, no. Emil Nielsen. It's going to be my MVP. 
He's my true MVP. He's going to take over the goalkeeper position and he's going to win it. There you go. Sorry, Brian. I'm literally the last person given. Brian, Brian is the last stressed. person. Yeah, the, last person. <laughs> the last person given After a 14, prediction now. 14 predictions. And everyone has said Denmark. Pretty you much. love it. You love you love being the last one, Brian. You 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 want the last word in predictions to be yours. So then when you I get do it right way, at but, the end. Well I've I've written it down earlier and I've changed it during the podcast and I've, I've changed it five times now. <laughs> I, I I changed mine while I was speaking. I was like, I had something in my head and then I just something else came out because <laughs> yeah. uh, I just want to be different you know that's the problem with me like you know so it's not what I actually think Denmark are going to win this right? but it's not what I'm going to predict okay I'm going to edit all of this out okay <laughs> uh, I want to say something really oh god I want a fairy tale <laughs> But I don't know what fairy tale this is going to be. No, I'm just going to say it, right? Say it. Well, no, I'm going to go a bit more realistic. Okay, France for, <laughs> to win it. Denmark to come second. Norway to come third. What's the fairy tale? The fairy tale was Norway going to win it. And then get knocked out of the Champions League coach that. But <laughs> MVP. <laughs> everyone thinks they're going to win the Champions League as well. But they won't. MVP. The, uh, I'm yeah. going to change D- mine to Sagas. I'm just going to go with Sagas and MVP because he's <sighs> he's fantastic. He's yeah. my favorite player to watch. So I'll go with Sagas and as MVP. All right. So France, Denmark, Norway, and DKMM MVP. It's not that crazy, but yeah. I've gone crazy too often. You know, it's my problem. If we were, if we had our guests changing their mind like this, we'd be hounding them. But I guess that's the privilege of hosting the podcast. We can do whatever that's we it. want. <laughs> All right, that'll do it. Uh, thank you so much to all of our guests. Fantastic day and a bit of recording we've just had. And thank you all for listening. We will have regular podcasts throughout these next three weeks as we go through potentially the biggest major handball championship of all time. Time will tell. Enjoy the opening game. And we'll talk to you after that. Goodbye. Goodbye.